Assalamu alaikum brothers and sisters, I'm Sister B and welcome to Islamic Audio Bites. I'll be continuing to read stories of the prophets by Ibn Kathir, which can be accessed at galamullah.com. Let's read. Page 202. Miraj, Muhammad peace be upon him's encounter with Abraham. Hadith. Then Gabriel ascended with me to the seventh heaven and asked for his gates to be open. It was asked, Who is it? Gabriel replied, Gabriel. It was asked, Who is accompanying you? Gabriel replied, Muhammad. It was asked, Has he been called? Gabriel replied in the affirmative. Then it was said, He is welcomed. What an excellent visit his is. So when I went over the seventh heaven, there I saw Abraham, Ibrahim. Gabriel said to me, This is your father. Pay your greetings to him. So I greeted him, and he returned the greetings to me and said, You are welcomed, O pious son and pious prophet. Then I was made to ascend to Sidrat al-Muntaha, the lote tree of the utmost boundary. Behold, its fruits were like the jars of Hajra, a place near Medina, and its leaves were as big as the ears of elephants. Gabriel said, This is the lote tree of the utmost boundary. Behold, there ran four rivers, two were hidden and two were visible. I asked, What are these two kinds of rivers, O Gabriel? He replied, As for the hidden rivers, there are two rivers in paradise, and the visible rivers are the Nile and the Euphrates. Moses advises Muhammad to plead to Allah to lessen prayers. Then at Beit al-Mamur, the sacred house, was shown to me, and a container full of wine and another full of milk and a third full of honey were brought to me. I took the milk. Gabriel remarked, This is the Islamic religion which you and your followers are following. Then the prayers were enjoined on me. They were fifty prayers a day. When I returned, I passed by Moses who asked me, What have you been ordered to do? I replied, I have been ordered to offer fifty prayers a day. Moses said, Your followers cannot bear fifty prayers a day. And by Allah, I have tested people before you, and I have tried my level best with the Bani Israel in vain. Go back to your Lord and ask for a reduction to lessen your followers' burden. So I went back, and Allah reduced ten prayers for me. Then again I came to Moses, but he repeated the same as he had said before. Then again I went back to Allah, and he reduced ten more prayers. When I came to Moses, he said the same. I went back to Allah, and he ordered me to observe ten prayers a day. When I came back to Moses, he repeated the same advice. So I went back to Allah and was ordered to observe five prayers a day. When I went back to Moses, he said, What have you been ordered? I replied, I have been ordered to observe five prayers a day. He said, Your followers cannot bear five prayers a day, and no doubt I have got an experience of the people before you, and I have tried my level best with the Bani Israel. 
So go back to your Lord and ask for a reduction to lessen your followers' burden. I said, I have requested so much of my Lord that I feel ashamed, but I am satisfied now and surrender to Allah's order. When I left, I heard a voice saying, I have passed my order and have lessened the burden of my worshippers. Women's Oath People of Yathrib, Medina, submit to Islam. In this year, twelve men of Yathrib, of whom ten were of the Jewish tribe of Ghazraj, and the other two of Aus, came to Mecca and took an oath of fidelity to the Prophet, peace be upon him, at Al-Aqaba, a hill on the north of that city. This oath was called the Women's Oath. Not that any women were present at this time, because a man was not thereby obliged to take up arms in defence of the Prophet, peace be upon him, or his religion, it being the same oath that was afterwards exacted of the women. This oath was as follows. We will not associate anything with Allah. We will not steal nor commit adultery or fornication nor kill our children as the pagan Arabs used to do when they apprehended that they would not be able to maintain them nor forge calumnies. We will obey the Prophet in everything that is reasonable and we will be faithful to him in well and sorrow. When they had solemnly engaged to do all of this, the Prophet, peace be upon him, sent one of his disciples, Musab ibn Umar, home with them to teach them the fundamental doctrines and ceremonies of the religion. Musab, having arrived at Yathru by the assistance of those who had been formally converted, gained several new converts, particularly Usaid ibn Khudair, a chief of men of the city, and Sa'ad ibn Mu'ad, prince of the tribe of Aus. Islam spread so fast that there was scarce a house that did not have Muslims in it. The next year, being the 13th of the mission, AD 622, Musab returned from Yathrib, accompanied by 73 men and two women of that city who had adopted Islam, besides others who were as yet unbelievers. On their arrival, these Yathribites immediately sent to the Prophet, peace be upon him, and invited him to their city. The Prophet was in great need of such assistance, for his opponents had by this time grown so powerful in Mecca that he could not stay there much longer without imminent danger. He therefore accepted their proposal and met them one night by appointment at Al-Aqaba, attended by his uncle Al-Abbas, who, though he was not then a convert, wished his nephew well. Al-Abbas made a speech to those of Yathrib, wherein he told them that, as the Prophet, peace be upon him, was obliged to quit his native city and seek shelter elsewhere, that they had offered him their protection. They would do well not to deceive him, that if they were not firmly resolved to defend and not to betray him, they had better declare their minds and let him provide for his safety in some other manner. Upon their professing their sincerity, the Prophet, peace be upon him, swore to be faithful to them, on condition that they should worship none but Allah and observe the precepts of Islam, obey the Prophet in all that was right and protect him against all insults as heartily as they would their wives and families. They then asked him what would be their return if they should happen to be killed in the cause of Allah. He answered, Paradise. 
whereupon they pledge their faith to him and his cause. The Hijra, people of Yathrib, Medina, welcome Muslims. The Prophet, peace be upon him, then selected twelve men out of their number to act as his delegates. Thus was concluded the second covenant of Al-Aqaba. The Yathribites returned home, leaving the Prophet, peace be upon him, to arrange for the journey to their city. The Prophet, peace be upon him, directed his followers to seek immediate safety at Yathrib, which they accordingly did. About 100 families silently disappeared from Mecca and proceeded to Yathrib, where they were received with enthusiasm and much hospitality. Finally, all the disciples had gone to Yathrib. The Prophet, peace be upon him, alone remained at Mecca, keeping with him only his young cousin, Ali, and his devoted friend, Abu Bakr. The Meccans plot to kill Allah's Prophet. The Meccans, fearing the consequence of this new alliance, began to think seriously of preventing Muhammad, peace be upon him, from escaping to Yathrib. They met in all haste. After several milder expedients had been rejected, they decided that he should be killed. They agreed that one man should be chosen out of every tribe and that each man should strike a blow at him with his sword so that responsibility of the guild would rest equally on all tribes. The Bani Hashim, Muhammad peace be upon him's own tribe, were much inferior and therefore would not be able to revenge their kinsman's death. A number of noble youths were selected for the bloody deed. As the night advanced, the assassins posted themselves around the Prophet peace be upon him's dwelling. They watched all night long, waiting to murder Muhammad peace be upon him when he should leave his house at the early dawn. Somehow, the Prophet peace be upon him had been warned of the danger and he directed Ali to lie down in his place and wrap himself up in his green cloak, which he did. The Prophet peace be upon him miraculously escaped through the window and repaired to the house of Abu Bakr, unperceived by door. These assassins, in the meantime, looking through a crevice and seeing Ali, whom they mistook for Muhammad himself, asleep, continued watching there until morning. When Ali arose, they found themselves deceived. The fury of the Quraysh was now unbounded. The news that the would-be assassins had returned unsuccessful and that Muhammad, peace be upon him, had escaped, aroused their whole energy. A price of a hundred camels was set upon Muhammad, peace be upon him's head. A narration, Aisha bint Abu Bakr, Prophet, peace be upon him's wife. Narrated by Aisha bint Abu Bakr, the wife of the Prophet, peace be upon him. I never remembered my parents believing in any religion other than the true religion, Islam. And I don't remember a single day passing without our being visited by Allah's messenger in the morning and in the evening. When the Muslims were put to test, troubled by the pagans, Abu Bakr set out migrating to the land of Abyssinia, Ethiopia, and when he reached Bark al-Gimad, Ibn al-Daghina, the chief of the tribe of Qara, met him and said, O Abu Bakr, where are you going? Abu Bakr replied, My people have turned me out of my country, so I want to wander on the earth and worship my lord. Ibn al-Daghina said, O Abu Bakr, a man like you should not leave his homeland, nor should he be driven out, because you help the destitute earn their living 
and you keep good relations with your kith and kin. Help the weak and the poor, entertain guests generously, and help the calamity-stricken persons. Therefore, I am your protector. Go back and worship your lord in your town. So Abu Bakr returned, and Ibn ad accompanied him. In the evening, Ibn ad visited the nobles of Quraysh and said to them, A man like Abu Bakr should not leave his homeland, nor he should be driven out. Do you, Quraysh, drive out a man who helps the destitute, earns their living, keeps good relations with his kith and kin, helps the weak and poor, entertain guests generously, and helps the calamity-stricken persons? So the people of Quraysh could not refuse Ibn ad protection, and they said to Ibn ad Let Abu Bakr worship his lord in his house. He can pray and recite there whatever he likes, but he should not hurt us with it, and should not do it publicly, because we are afraid that he may affect our women and children. Ibn ad told Abu Bakr all of that. Abu Bakr stayed in that state, worshipping his lord in his house. He did not pray publicly, nor did he recite the Qur'an outside his house. Abu Bakr builds a mosque. Then a thought occurred to Abu Bakr to build a mosque in front of his house, and there he used to pray and recite the Qur'an. The women and children of the pagans began to gather round him in great number. They used to wonder at him and look at him. Abu Bakr was a man who used to weep too much, and he could not help weeping or reciting the Qur'an. That situation scared the nobles of the pagans of Quraysh, so they sent for Ibn ad-Dagina. When he came to them, they said, We accepted your protection of Abu Bakr on condition that he should worship his lord in his house, but he has violated the conditions, and he has built a mosque in front of his house where he prays and recites the Qur'an publicly. We are afraid that he may affect our women and children unfavorably. So prevent him from that. If he likes to confine the worship of his lord to his house, he may do so. But if he insists on doing that openly, ask him to release you from your obligation to protect him. For we dislike to break our pact with you. But we deny Abu Bakr the right to announce his act publicly. Ibn ad went to Abu Bakr and said, O Abu Bakr, you know well what contract I made on your behalf. Now you either abide to it or else release me from my obligation of protecting you, because I do not want the Arabs to hear that my people have dishonoured a contract I have made on behalf of another man. Abu Bakr replied, I release you from your pact to protect me, and I'm pleased with the protection from Allah. Aisha's narrations continues. At that time, the Prophet, peace be upon him, was in Mecca, and he said to the Muslims, In a dream, I have been shown your migration place, a land of date palm trees, between two mountains, the two stony tracts. So some people migrated to Medina, and most of those people who had previously migrated to the land of Ethiopia returned to Medina. Abu Bakr also prepared to leave for Medina, but Allah's messenger said to him, Wait for a while, because I hope that I will be allowed to migrate also. Abu Bakr replied, Do you indeed expect this? Let my father be sacrificed for you. The Prophet, peace be upon him, said, Yes. So Abu Bakr did not migrate for the sake of Allah's messenger in order to accompany him. 
he fed two she-camels he possessed with the leaves of a summer tree that fell on being struck by a stick for four months. One day, while we were sitting in Abu Bakr's house at noon, someone said to Abu Bakr, This is Allah's messenger, with his head covered, coming at a time which he never used to visit us before. Abu Bakr said, May my parents be sacrificed for you. By Allah, he has not come at this time, except for a great necessity. So Allah's messenger came and asked permission to enter, and he was allowed to enter. When he entered, he said to Abu Bakr, Tell everyone who is present with you to go away. Abu Bakr replied, There are none but your family. May my father be sacrificed for you, O Allah's messenger. The Prophet, peace be upon him, said, I have been given permission to migrate. Abu Bakr said, Shall I accompany you? May my father be sacrificed for you, O Allah's messenger. Allah's messenger said, Yes. Abu Bakr said, O Allah's messenger, may my father be sacrificed for you. Take one of these she-camels of mine. Allah's messenger replied, I will accept it with payment. So we prepared the baggage quickly and put some journey food in a leather bag for them. Asma, Abu Bakr's daughter, cut a piece from her waist belt and tied the mouth of the leather bag with it, and for that reason she was named Datun Nutaqen, the owner of two belts. Then Allah's messenger and Abu Bakr reached a cave on the mountain of Thor and stayed there for three nights. Abdullah ibn Abu Bakr, who was an intelligent and sagacious youth, used to stay with them overnight. He used to leave them before daybreak, so that in the morning he would be with the Quraysh as if he had spent the night in Mecca. He would keep in mind any plot made against them, and when it became dark, he would go and inform them of it. Amir ibn Fukhaira, the freed slave of Abu Bakr, used to bring the milk sheep of his master Abu Bakr to them a little while after nightfall in order to rest the sheep there. So, they always had fresh milk at night, the milk of their sheep, and the milk which they warmed by throwing heated stones in it. Amir ibn Fuhaira would then call the herd away when it was still dark, before daybreak. He did the same in each of those three nights. Allah's messenger, peace be upon him, and Abu Bakr had hired a man from the tribe of Bani Adzail, from the family of Bani Abd ibn Adi, as an expert guide, and he was in alliance with the family of Al-As ibn Wal Asami, and he was in the religion of the infidels of Quraysh. The Prophet, peace be upon him, and Abu Bakr, trusted him and gave him their two she-camels and took his promise to bring their two she-camels to the cave of the mountain of Thor in the morning after three nights later. And when they set out, Amir ibn Fuhaira and the guide went along with them and the guide led them along the seashore. Say al-Buhari. The nephew of Suraka ibn Jusham said that his father informed him that he heard Suraka ibn Jusham saying, The messengers of the pagans of Quraysh came to us, declaring they had assigned for the persons who would kill or arrest Allah's messenger, peace be upon him, and Abu Bakr, a reward equal to their blood money. While I was sitting there in one of the gatherings of my tribe, Bani Mudlij, a man from them, came to see us and stood up while we were sitting and said, O Suraka, no! I have just seen some people far away on the seashore, and I think they are Muhammad and his companions. I too realized that it must have been they, 
But I said, no, it is not they, but you have seen so-and-so and so-and-so, whom we saw set out. I stayed in the gathering for a while and then got up and left for my home and ordered my slave girl to get my horse, which was behind a hillock, and keep it ready for me. I then took my spear and left by the back door of my house, dragging the lower end of the spear on the ground and keeping it low. Then I reached my horse, mounted it, and made it gallop. When I approached them, Muhammad and Abu Bakr, my horse stumbled and I fell down from it. Then I stood up, got hold of my quiver, and took out the divining arrows and drew lot as to whether I should harm them or not. And the lot which I disliked came out. But I remounted my horse and let it gallop, giving no importance to the divining arrows. When I heard the recitation of the Qur'an by Allah's messenger, who did not look hither and thither while Abu Bakr was doing it often, suddenly the forelegs of my horse sank into the ground up to the knees and I fell down from it. Then I rebuked it and it got up, but could hardly take out its forelegs from the ground. And when I stood up and straight again, its forelegs caused dust to rise up in the sky like smoke. Then again, I drew lots with the divining arrows, and the lot which I disliked came out. So I called upon them to feel secure. They stopped, and I remounted my horse and went to them. When I saw how I had been hampered from harming them, it came to my mind that the cause of Allah's messenger, Islam, would become victorious. So I said to them, Your people have assigned a reward equal to blood money for your head. Then I told them all the plans the people of Mecca had made concerning them. Then I offered them some journey food and goods, but they refused to take anything and did not ask for anything. But the Prophet peace be upon him said, Do not tell the others about us. Then I requested him to write for me a statement of security and peace. He ordered Amir bin Fakhaira, who wrote it for me on a parchment, and then Allah's messenger proceeded on his way. Say al-Bukhari Holy Prophet travels to Medina. Hijra Narrated Urwa ibn al-Zubair Allah's messenger, peace be upon him, met al-Zubair in a caravan of Muslim merchants who were returning from Sham. Al-Zubair provided Allah's messenger and Abu Bakr with white clothes to wear. When the Muslims of Medina heard the news of the departure of Allah's messenger from Mecca towards Medina, they started going to the Hurrah every morning. They would wait for him till the heat of the noon forced them to return. One day, after waiting for a long while, they returned home. And when they went into their houses, a Jew climbed up to the roof of one of the forts of his people to look for something. And he saw a last messenger and his companions dressed in white clothes emerging out of the desert mirage. The Jew could not help shouting at the top of his voice, Oh, you Arabs, here is your great man who you have been waiting for. So all the Muslims rushed to their arms and received Allah's messenger on the summit of Hara. The Prophet, peace be upon him, turned with them to the right and alighted at the quarters of Bani Amr ibn Auf. And this was on Monday in the month of Rabiul Awal. Abu Bakr stood up receiving the people while Allah's messenger 
sat down and kept silent. Some of the Ansar, who came and had not seen Allah's messenger before, began greeting Abu Bakr. But when the sunshine fell on Allah's messenger, peace be upon him, and Abu Bakr came forward and shaded him with his sheet, only then the people came to know Allah's messenger. Allah's messenger stayed with Bani Amr ibn Awf for ten nights and established the mosque, Mosque of Quba, which was founded on piety. Allah's messenger prayed in it and then mounted his she-camel and proceeded on, accompanied by the people, till his she-camel knelt down at the place of the mosque of Allah's messenger at Medina. Some Muslims used to pray there in those days, and that place was a yard for drying dates belonging to Sahel and Sal, the orphan boys who were under the guardianship of Asad ibn Zurara. When his she-camel knelt down, Allah's messenger, peace be upon him, said, This place, Allah willing, will be our abiding place. Allah's messenger, peace be upon him, then called the two boys and told them to suggest a price for that yard so that he might make it as a mosque. The two boys said, No, we will give it as a gift, O Allah's messenger. Allah's messenger then built a mosque there. The Prophet, peace be upon him himself, started carrying unburned bricks for its buildings, and while doing so, he was saying, This load is better than the load of Khaybar, for it is more pious in the sight of Allah, and purer and better rewardable. He was also saying, O Allah, the actual reward is a reward in the hereafter, so bestow your mercy on the Ansar and the emigrants. Thus, the Prophet, peace be upon him, recited, by way of a proverb, the poem of some Muslim poet, whose name is unknown to me. Ibn Shibab said, In the Hadith, it does not occur that Allah's Messenger recited a complete poetic verse other than this one. Say al-Bukhari. Hijra, Islamic calendar, marks this date. Thus was accomplished the Hijra, or the flight of Muhammad, peace be upon him, as called in European annals, from which the Islamic calendar dates. That was the end of this part of the story of our Prophet, peace be upon him, story. Please do share this podcast with your family and friends and leave a review and rating wherever you listen. We are on all the major podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and we're also on YouTube as a voice-only channel. Please do check out our website at slamicaudiobytes.com and our various social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you'd like to contact us directly, please do so at sisterb007 at gmail.com. As always, hope your day is full of blessings. Aslamu